0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucketeers? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Today I talked to uh, Fisher Stevens. There's a million ways you might know this guy. He's uh he's a character actor and he's been and he's been at it for a long time. He's only he's only my age, but he's done a lot. Uh, as an actor, he's been in things like uh, Reversal of Fortune, Hail Caesar, a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Recently, he was on Succession as Hugo, the communications manager. He's also a uh, documentary filmmaker who won an Oscar for producing The Cove in 2009. He's the director of the new docuseries on Netflix about David Beckham. But uh, he's memorable. The weirdest moment, though, is I re- he had a big impression on me. And I talked to him about this because I went to see Brighton Beach Memoirs. I must have been a year into college. I'm not even sure why. I don't even know what got me to the theater to see a Neil Simon play. But I was there and he had just taken over for Matthew Broderick. And I just remember him as being fucking hilarious. And I never really forgot him. Then I'd see him in movies like Flamingo Kid and this and that. I'd be like, that's that guy. And he's always that guy. But, you know, he's got a lot of range and he's here. It was nice to talk to him. That memory kind of stuck with me, though. Okay, listen, starting tomorrow, Friday, I'm in Denver, Colorado, with the Comedy Works South for four shows, Friday and Saturday. Now, they're very close to selling out. The early ones are sold out, but there are some tickets and I'm not being not bullshitting you, not many for those late shows. So get on that if you haven't. I'm at Dynasty typewriter in Los Angeles on December 1st, 13th and 28th, The Elysian, on December 6th, 15th, and 22nd, and Largo on December 12th and January 9th. Next year's tour kicks off in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday, January 27th. Then San Francisco at the Castro Theater on Saturday, February 3rd. Portland, Maine at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Medford, Massachusetts outside of Boston at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island, at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th, and Terrytown, New York, at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Go to WTFpod.com/slash tour for tickets. So, do I sound better? I feel better. I got to be honest with you. All it takes is getting engaged with the life again, talking to people. And here I've had some great interviews that you can look forward to in the near future or, or the future in general. Taika Waititi was in here. And I really got lit up for that. I watched a a lot of his movies, some of them twice, and I think he's a real genius. So sometimes, even when I'm feeling heavy-hearted, and this isn't a, uh, it's not a therapy ad. It's just, it is what it is. It's my life. And this podcast is a big part of my ability to stay out of my head. That and many other things. I find, and I've talked about this before, I get obsessed with little projects just to keep level, man, just to keep level, whether it's cooking a banana bread or trying to fix my boots. I got very upset over some bullshit about boots. I know the world is ending. I know there's a service and trouble in the world, but but sometimes I just got to stay grounded by getting obsessed with something mundane and seemingly inconsequential. But the thoughts I've been having in terms of, I don't know, I just wait for them. You know, I just wait for them. And sometimes they give me uh, a window into something or the beginning of a way of thinking. I was in my car yesterday and uh, the old adage that uh, I believe most people are innately good uh, was in my brain because I I don't know that I believe that anymore. And it might have been triggered by uh, it being addressed by the protagonist of the new Fincher movie, The Killer. I don't think that most people are innately good. I do think that most people are innately sad or innately scared and whatever comes from sadness and fear, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Maybe it could be good or maybe it could be awful or maybe it could be somewhere in the middle where it's just a uh, mildly exhausting and off putting, but I don't know about innately good. I, I think that there is a, an evolved, a, a almost instinctual, compulsion towards compassion that I think some people roll with or some people work against, but obviously the enemy is the mind. Self-preservation based on survival is also an evolved thing and that can get in the way of compassion, but usually it doesn't have to because look, you know, we're just out there living in the world, living in life. All I know is that eventually for me, once I start engaging with other people, listening to what's going on in their life, feeling the feels uh, that I I can get level again. And I don't know what I would be if I didn't have those. I don't know what I would be if I was isolated. I don't know what I would be if I didn't have a social circle or the ability to go out and do comedy or, or talk to people. I don't know what I would be if I was just at home online letting the algorithm take me down whatever fucking chasm of hell it chooses. Well, I don't want to dismiss the fact that, uh, you know, I got something lopped off my forehead by the, uh, dermatologist, but, you know, he says, we got to take a look at that. And I'm like, you know, should I be worried? He's like, no, I'm like, then leave it on my head, then leave it on the head if it shouldn't be a problem. So I had to wait a week and a half to see. And I get a call and it comes up on my phone, the skin and beauty, whatever the, the dermatologist place I go to and the guy told me if it's nothing, they'll text me. If it's something they'll call. So you get that heart dropping into your guts business. And I pick up and it turns out just a sunspot. No problem. And from what I understand, as one gets older, there'll be many more things lopped off. Uh, hopefully things you don't need. <laughs> and hopefully things, hopefully things that are benign, But nothing uh, changes your day in a more positive way than uh, being told not to worry about the thing they sent to the lab. That's for anybody. So that fear was uh, quelled. Also, I guess another thing in the plus side is that um, Charlie Beans Roscoe is uh, on the mend uh, more than I would have imagined. Uh, You forget, you know, when a cat gets sick. Uh, what an asshole they are, or he is. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll pass. But, but he's he's okay now. I can't really track what the fuck caused it though. I, I, I don't know, man. I it, it seems to happen. The the two times it happened over the last year, where he got this sick and didn't eat, and his stomach was fucked up. Uh, it happened the day that the the house cleaner came. But I lock him in the room now and she only cleans the floors and then i use this bonus stuff and that's supposed to be pet safe but i i can't help but think it has something to do with that but he doesn't engage with any other cleaning products i don't know i know i'm opening the door to people going uh to to people sharing their experience maybe with that particular floor treatment or maybe there'll be many recommendations for pet safe, plant based stuff. But I thought this was the good stuff. Who the fuck knows? All I know is that he's better. And now I'm giving him this probiotic sludge that comes out of a syringe and probiotics, a little bit of pumpkin and, uh, some digestive food, but he's eating like a pig and he's back to knocking cans over filled with sodas of different kinds that I always forget to not leave on the counter. He's back into jumping into cabinets filled with glassware that, uh, Happens occasionally. He's back to um, jumping on the bed with a, 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 a scrunchy ball in his mouth right when I fall asleep. So all systems go with Charlie and he's looking better. Thank you for asking. The other cats, fine. Everybody is fine. Sammy seems to be affectionate in, in moments and then uh, mentally challenged in others and then seemingly fairly zen and zoomy. Uh, and others, and Buster is very consistently Buster. So that, my friends, is the cat report. Thank you for your concern about Charlie Beans Roscoe, uh, but uh, we're out of the woods on that. Not sure we were ever in the woods, but when something doesn't eat, it's easy to project. Even when the vet goes, ah, don't worry about it. Cats don't have to eat for a year sometimes. I'm like, that's not true. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the thing I'm lopping off your forehead. I'm like, then why are you doing it? Why are you tell me these things? Why? Come on. Fisher Stevens is here. Did I mention that? As I said before, I've, I've liked Fisher Stevens for a very long time. He's done hundreds of things. I don't know all of them. But he did make an impression on me when I was a younger man and saw him on stage in Brighton Beach memoirs. Like, I can still remember it. All four episodes of the docuseries Beckham are now streaming on Netflix, which he directed. So now let's talk to him. Let's talk to Fisher Stevens. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Well, for me, honestly... It's my stereo system. For years, I've wanted this stereo system. And then at some point, I realized, like, hey, you're saving money. Buy it. So I got a pretty top-of-the-line tube-driven stereo system. It has changed my life. It's not only great for listening to music. It's great for me to sit there with my guitar while I jam or just rock out because when we own exceptional things they inspire us to do exceptional things. Just like the all new Lexus GX. It has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go you'll never go without. Available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Available 33 inch all terrain tires and available multi-terrain select system for off-road driving. Any of these options will help you take your Lexus GX to the limit, just like I did with my stereo system. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When I watch a doc or I read a book, you know, if, it puts me in position to lead people. You know, to sort of like because I know, I already know. Uh, you know what I mean? And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But like when they only climbed, I had to read that shit because I had to be like I had a yeah. lot. I had to be in the in the saddle with that, <laughs> yeah, and not look like a fucking idiot and be able to kind of do the whole thing with her. Personal, yeah, uh, political, cultural criticism. And I think I held my own. I, that was a, I was very concerned about that one. That uh, one, yeah. took a she,
1: because she's also I, I I also was a little intimidated interviewing her. What did you interview her for? I for ended, the dolphin movie? No, for the uh, before climate change for before the flood. I, was I ended say, up for the
0: Beckham movie. Did she yeah, have a yeah. lot she of? She uh, was a leftist. fucking
1: huge fan of Beckham. She was she she thought she hated him until she saw it and then she. <laughs> no, um, she um, I ended up cutting her out of it. Yeah, it it was very clinical.
0: Well yeah, maybe. we got it like with real intellectuals, it's if you want to, you know, you want to get personal, you got to get personal first. Yeah. And then see what that what can happen, but she's, you know, she's the real deal. She is the real deal. And and gonna she's talk- sm- a
1: lot smarter than me. So it was very scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, "Oh fuck."
0: Yeah, but yeah. like that one, like I just really needed to show up for that. And I always do. What was I freaking out about the other day? Uh, yeah, I just had look, there's no interview I do here that I'm not going to stress out about. Every, you know what I mean, right? I'm not freaking out about you too much. Right. I don't know. I feel like uh, for some reason uh, we we are somehow kindred spirit. I don't know why. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a Jew thing. You know. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's, we're the uh, same age almost. Pretty uh, much. What are you? I'm 59. I just turned 60. Okay, I'm about
1: to. Okay, yeah. there you go. So we're kindred spirits. Yeah,
0: that. but like there, there's a but like I had Rodney Crowell uh, on the other day. He's a songwriter. Okay, now he's a big you know he's a big country songwriter. Been around forever. He's written for Willie and. Uh-huh. But like he's his own guy but like you know I was freaking out about that right and you know you know who's gonna like really register that No one right right but yeah. I think the reason why uh, there's some deep uh, deeper attachment that I have to you know you is I don't know when you did it but like I saw you in Brighton Beach memoirs I saw you wow. and I don't even like I don't even know how I got to that shore what you, you give me a year 1983. Eighty four, I did it for a year. 83, 84. So I'm uh-huh. already, so I'm in college mm-hmm. at that time. And I, you know, I remember seeing it and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He's very funny. Mm. He seems like a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, and I related to it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how I got there or why. Maybe Were my, you acting? At that time? Yeah. Uh, in college? I was probably trying. Yeah, I was taking some classes. I right. was doing some plays. Right. But I, I wonder why I ended up there. I can't. I, I wow. Didn't, Yeah, I I don't know. I can't remember how or why. Do you remember that experience, me being there? Yeah, you were incredible
1: at the audience. I remember looking at you and seeing you in the audience and going, wait, yeah, there's something about that guy that reminds me of me. Yeah, that guy's going to be somebody. You know, I have a very funny story to tell you um, because it's been a thing with me and my friends that... um, I've never done your show until right yeah. now. And, yeah. and 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 my friend, uh, a couple of my friends, a lot of my friends have been on your show, but particularly my one of my best friends, Griffin Dunn, I, I, I call him up. I go, hey, how are you doing, man? I go, I go, where are you? He goes, oh, I'm doing Mark's show again. I'm like, again? <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I said, "Well, tell him I want to be on." He goes, "Oh yeah, I did." No, no, it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. I, and 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 no, it's just this funny thing. Yeah. Because I love your show and I've wanted to be on your yeah. show, and I I never get the call. And 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 then um, I'm in the editing room at Beckham. Yeah. We're editing the doc. My uh, story producer Al comes in. He goes, "Oh, you're you're mentioned in Mark Mark Marin's show." Yeah. And I'm like, what? And he and he and we play it, and it's Jay Smith Cameron, who I work with yes. on on Succession, and she and and you said literally something like, uh, I don't know why my name came up, but you said Fisher. I I want. I think I don't even remember if he's been on my show or not. You, you literally said that, <laughs> and my editor Michael Hart, who's one of your biggest fans. Yeah, um, uh, he's like. Oh my god! Because I would come in, I'm like fucking Mark Maron won't have me on the show. I'm really fucking pissed. I, 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 you never yeah. allow
0: me on the show. So we had this whole funny running gag going. That's, but that's hilarious because like I don't know, you know that that's a deeper problem with Griffin Dunn because I can't imagine. No, no, that- Griffin was kidding. Oh, okay, oh no okay. no by okay. the way yeah. he was
1: totally bullshitting okay. it wasn't a it, no no it wa- I didn't even know he was on twice so he was on for no, one and I, then
0: he came back for dick I I, dick? Don't,
1: I don't know but he yeah. he loves he just loved to uh, fuck you know, with you yeah we do that to each other we're great friends you know he, I'd call him up I'm being like oh yeah I'm hanging out with Keanu and, and Leo Griff. Uh-huh. so uh, I can't talk to you yeah. even though I'm home by myself yeah. like watching Netflix <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah so um, no but, but I, it's just been a running gag so here I am and I'm very excited there, I, was, I,
0: there was never any uh, there was never any uh, Fisher Stevens, no, I don't want to talk to that guy. Yeah. Never good. happened. That's good. Too. I'm glad we're getting this out. Uh, I had to get it out. Because, anyway. like, I remember when you were on, uh, on uh, Succession, I was like, that guy. Right. Yeah, you know. And it's <laughs> funny because my my two real memories of you or, or what I hang on you is that very early. It's not as early as I thought. I mean, I was already in my 20s. But that that no, you were probably nine. Uh, okay, so you may have been
1: nineteen because we're the same age. I was nineteen.
0: Well, so, if it was yeah. eighty four, eighty one, right? Eighty three. I was yeah. I was probably twenty or twenty one. Yeah, okay, because okay. I turned I turned twenty in eighty three. Okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was okay. probably around yeah. there. Second yeah. year of college, right. maybe. Right, right, huh? So I knew that. Okay, and then. And then there was the other thing that just hangs in my mind forever is like you dated Michelle Pfeiffer and I was like, man, yeah. that Jew's got game. <laughs> I mean, how, yeah, that could have been me. Shit, I don't know if I thought that. I never assumed that. Right. I was never that confident. But I was sort of like, huh, you know, not knowing anything about it. But yeah. that, good, but good for you. Well, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I didn't mean to make it awkward right out of the gate, but no, those were the two things.
1: That's that's that, that's fine. It's yeah, it's not awkward. I'm
0: just good I mean, memories flashing about yeah. it. Your life, very you good.
1: W- good memories, yeah.
0: And it, like, and I look at your filmography, and you do like a movie every ten minutes, and I, I don't. I I haven't seen a lot of them. Yeah, I haven't either. Really? No. I mean the acting stuff. Now, what is that about? Like, okay, so
1: where do you grow up? And where is it? Uh, I grew up in Chicago till I was like. Twelve. I moved to Greenwich uh, to the meatpacking district with my to, mother. Over, oh, my okay. Mother. So
0: in Chicago, like
1: uh, Jewish Chicago. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I uh, born in Hyde Park. Yeah. Then moved to Highland Park, which is very yeah, Jewish right, Chicago. Sure. Then yeah. then moved to Connecticut. Then back to Evanston, and then to, to, to Evanston. Uh, yeah, Evanston. Well, which is a great
0: town, and uh, I know that place. I used to do a theater down the street from there in Rogers Park. Okay. The main stage. The main stage. was uh, a weird little place. Uh, but Evanston's where the school is, right? Northwestern. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My sister lives there now. Yeah, it's uh, like a little
0: town built for,
1: you know, people with a little on, money. And, it's on the lake. And, gotta, and there's other but there's other parts of Evanston that are not as nice.
0: Yeah, the uh, dicey
1: parts of there Evanston. The dicey parts of Evanston.
0: Yeah. But so
1: So what happened? You got a brother and sister? I have two sisters. So my mother uh was a. Uh, was an uh, art, wanted to be an artist was a painter and uh, m- took me and my sisters in the middle of kind of in the middle of a night sort of thing to New York City what yeah it's a long your country. mom was a painter yeah she was an abstract expressionist painter how was she I thought she was good she she lacked confidence she um she yeah. she it when we lived in Connecticut she shared a loft in 1971 and 72 with Marilyn Minter who became a very well known uh is a very well known artist they had a loft together it's right. a rough racket it's a oh, I mean you think acting is, is no, no it's a, art, a, art is the hardest
0: it's the hardest I, you know I dated a painter for years my mother was also sort of a failed painter Really yeah my mother uh you know it's it's a sad thing Oh to, to sort of see that, you know, that this is what she wanted to do and she would paint all the time. But when she finally went back to school for her master's, you know, I was already out of the house. She was in her 50s probably and uh, just couldn't didn't have the confidence to, to hang in there with all
1: the young people. That's the problem. Uh, my mother really also got into New York City, the life, the Studio Fifty Four, the going out. Well, I mean, and, that was the time. Yeah.
0: So, wh- so why did she
1: kidnap you and your sisters? Because my father, uh, she would have never let. Her. They were split, but she, oh, okay. they, he would have never wanted. Her to move, and and she moved us into a basically a gold plating factory that uh, Mm -hmm. she bought with uh, her boyfriend in New York. Yeah, on uh, Thirteenth and Hudson. Now it's a very expensive. It's across the street from what is now called the Gainsbourg Hotel. Uh, There's a sure, I know that place. I I
0: know. It turns out a buddy of mine I went to college with. I had no idea freshman year college. I, I I just saw him recently. That like I had no idea about his life really, and it turns out like his grandfather was a butcher. In the meatpacking district, and they own, like, half the real estate. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good friend. <laughs> well, I mean, now, I just didn't know that that, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, you find stuff like that out. But what did they know? It was garbage back it then. Was, it was garbage when I lived there. Yeah. And, uh, what was it like? Do you remember it? Very it was, well. Very well. It's so like a heavy gay cruise, right? Heavy
1: gay Puerto Rican, and then uh, Puerto Rican people bashing gay people and <laughs> and, and these and, are your earliest
0: memories? Like we, your well
1: no, no. I was I was 12, 13, 14. Um and Was
0: Florent there? No.
1: I uh, wasn't even there yet. Um but I you know, you I remember like blood no. dripping in the streets. Not really? human. Oh no. Oh, oh yeah.
0: Because they were still doing the
1: business. They, they were still doing the business. You yeah, still yeah. see the cows yeah, hanging yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um but it was vibrant, it was exciting. It was uh I was mugged a couple times in the hood. I was mugged At twelve? Thirteen, fourteen. Were they going after six dollars? They wanted my bus pass, or you know, oh. or you know a couple bucks. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was just other kids. So you, you know? stay there for a while, and then you, it, and we moved. We lived there for like actually. Well, the reason I I, I got into acting yeah. was because my mom was dating uh, an actor who was also a maitre D at a. So restaurant. she's living with Minter. No, this was the earlier years, and oh. then and then we moved. She, she she we she came back to New York. It's kind of complicated. Well, did back you have to go court. back to
0: Evanston because your dad legally?
1: He wanted us back at Evanston. Uh, he wanted us back to, uh, to Chicago, but then my mom was like, "Fuck this! We're gonna go to New York yeah. with the kids, yeah, with Alan, her boyfriend. You're you're gonna go to school there." And she just took us, and it was my sisters. Let's say they were ten and eight, so yeah. it was not a great scene for them You're the to the yeah, um, yeah i was you know 13ish 12 13 mm. so it was not the greatest scene to raise kids in a gold plating factory turned into a you know a loft so um a, a, a space All
0: right but was it like literally like there was no functioning plumbing for an apartment type we of had thing urinals and stalls so <laughs> Literally, having
1: I could have a conversation with my mother in the in the stalls yeah. if I if I needed to. Yeah. urinals and stalls. Yeah, and, and um, she would spread her canvases in the back. So it's a real squat loft. It was a, it was sort of a, it yeah. was like that. Yeah, and, and then um, huh. my dad is like, no way, and he took my sisters back to Chicago, and I stayed with my mother. Oh, what did dad do? He was a salesman hmm. and, in Chicago. Uh, so they went and grew up. In a regular place, yeah. I had a beautiful life in Highland Park till till I was nine, and then we then the madness started moving around and stuff. But but it was exciting, right? Uh, it was exciting once we landed in New York. Then I was excited. I would say that the interim going to Connecticut back to Evanston was not exciting. It was kind of like, where, where where are we going to stay?
0: Where were you in Connecticut? Uh,
1: Stanford, Connecticut.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be nice suburban life, and it was- No, it's
0: not that great. N- no, no. So who was
1: this actor? This actor- Alan. Alan, uh, do you remember when you saw me yeah. at Brighton Beach, uh, there was a really famous theater restaurant called- sam's or charlie's uh-huh. on 45th street where all the actors would go okay so Allen was the maitre d okay one of them yeah and uh that and, and he never you know he, he would get like a, a a role in jesus christ superstar in a touring company oh, or yeah. little things it wasn't going well yeah um but he did have an acting class that he studied at and that class lost its lease uh where to teach so they ended up starting when my sisters went back with my dad yeah they started teaching in our loft come on and then they because of
0: because alan was in the class alan was in the class
1: and the acting teacher dan fossey uh he loved the space he loved this the area was cool Yeah. yeah and and they built a stage in my living room and that is how i became an actor because there were three or four classes a week in my house come on in the loft wait now so yes Dan fossey i don't know who if anyone's brought him up before was he a guy he was a guy he had a his most famous uh student was uh ted danson who was in the class and got cheers when he was in the class i just did Um, his podcast oh a few weeks ago yeah well you could have brought up dan fossey they were very close for many years yeah and uh he's a great he's he's just Good dancing? Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. I think he's a little hard on himself. Is Oh, interesting. Dan would always probably say that to him, but yeah. Listen, you remember seeing him as a kid? I do. I remember meeting him. He was like the first, probably one of the first famous people I met because
0: Who, he, he got famous yeah, really fast. And so what, what's going on in the house? You're just hanging out, you know, uh, and there's a stage in the middle of your house. Yeah. And your mother's painting. My mother no
1: and then she started giving up. She started working as a receptionist at galleries to thinking, "Oh, this is going to help my career." No. I mean, she's right. Like Heron Allen, yeah, yeah, he's a major D at yeah. the actors bar yeah. and she's And a- then she became a co check at the at the restaurant. Uh money was scarce and it was just a crazy time. And we'd have all these people in our house. and uh, But was it
0: like one of those things where there's parties, there are artists hanging there, out there? W- it became. Hello.
1: B- it became that. Yeah, it did. And I was, you know, I was 14, 13, 14 years old, man. And it was like being around that was crazy. Grown ups acting like fucking <laughs> monsters. Children. Grown ups acting like yeah. children and children having to act like grown ups. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. and Walking that's... around
0: cleaning up the <laughs>
1: mess. Uh, not quite, but almost.
0: But yeah, but. yeah. So, what was the type of acting that you were witnessing? Was it a scene study and? Yeah. Do you remember a thing called EST? Yeah. Yeah. So Dan. Werner, what's that guy? Werner Earhart. Yes. Yeah. Dan was a uh, kind of seminar leader as well as Fosse? an acting teacher. Yeah. This is that. See, this is where it all starts. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where that reputation of certain acting coaches being cult leaders or having a cult. Because there's some of that out here, too, whether it's S or it's uh, uh, the other one, Landmark Forum or whatever. Well, Landmark Forum
1: was S. Yeah, it became. That's what S became.
0: Yeah. But, like, there is—so that's interesting because this must be a very early version of that. Was he applying those principles to Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I I, was—I believe at the time I was the youngest person to do the S training, uh, the adult, because it was a kid's training and an adult training. And I did it when I was 13 because of this guy, What did that involve It involved uh, two weekends uh, of your life, Uh like 9 a.m. to, God knows, one at 2 a.m., and then you wake up, and then you get there the next morning. And if you're late, they go, you're late. I go, oh, I I missed the." But is that
0: one of those things where you can't
1: pee? Yeah. That's it. That's it. And and you you, you, you have to share in front of people, and you raise your hand. Well, what have you got to share? You're fucking 14. I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I know. I know and she yelled at me I remember the the, the yeah oh it was awful. But anyway Dan was a part of that and I I got very involved in it I started going to seminars I was in high school. Yeah. And I was studying acting then. I started studying with Dan at, at 14 years well, old. Well
0: so now in retrospect you know cuz like you know Seinfeld you, you know, was a scientologist for 10 minutes but there are some people in you know William Burroughs also uh you know, studied Scientology be out of as a whatever as the weirdo he was as an intellectual. Wow! But both of them were able to sort of say that there are ideas here, or there are tools that one can use. But did you do you find that that there were things you learned in EST that you know that that changed, that were helpful? Absolutely. Yeah, and that fucked me up. <laughs> I'd say
1: both both a lot of value out of Est. A lot of like taking responsibility for your life, making yeah. you feel like yeah. uh I'm not a victim. I can actually turn shit around. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think, uh, it makes you hard on yourself at the same time. Like, oh, I fucked this up. Or um, You don't think that was going to happen uh, anyways yeah, with your dad you know in Chicago and your m- yeah, mom having parties at the house? Yeah, that would have happened anyway. <laughs> True. That, so maybe <laughs> ask was more positive. No, but I do think it was more positive, Yeah. but it was weird. I realized at 17, like, what the fuck? I'm brainwashed. I got to get the fuck out of here. And I cut it. That was
0: it. So you studied acting for three years in your house. Yeah. Went to S-seminars. Yeah, and was and, in high school. Yeah. And worked at 16. I started working. Were you working. A PS what? No, I went to Brooklyn Friends. Oh, that's fancy. Yeah, it was very, good. It was How'd you, very yeah, good. That must have been early on in that thing. I don't It was that...
1: it was a good Brooklyn Friends. My teachers were all um conscientious objectors during sure.
0: Vietnam. Yeah. Because it was
1: seventy seven. Yeah. So the war just kind of ended and there was a Quaker school and it was very reasonably priced oh, uh, yeah? at the time. Yeah. Very, very reasonably
0: so priced. So it's kind of a progressive school environment. Yeah. English
1: teacher talking about weed, getting high. You sure, know, I remember those. Those, you know, studying Bruce Springsteen lyrics. I remember, you know, like really weird. Um, the it was. Before you're taking
0: acting classes in your apartment. You're going to Est, yeah. and then you've got uh, groovy teachers.
1: It, it was. It was weird. I yeah, I was school. That's was great. School great. was it sounds like a yeah, it was all right.
0: It a great uh, New York upbringing. It, it sounds like a, a a life that can only be <laughs> given to you in that city. Only in that city.
1: And, sure. And, You know, that city, you're from Jersey City, but you... Well, I mean, I grew up in New Mexico, but my people are from Jersey.
0: But like, I always went to New York, you know, I mean... Right,
1: so you remember, like, New York at that time... In the 70s? ...was free. It was, you were free. I mean, it was dangerous, but you were free. There was no...
0: Well, yeah, and people people would just let their kids get on the train. And do whatever. I used to take the bus in from my grandmothers to Port Authority when I was, you know, it must have been, I was like 14, mid-70s, and she like, all right, have fun, You get off the bus at Port Authority as a kid. Yeah, and remember some of the
1: shit you saw. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. It was uh, crazy. I know. I I saw, I was doing a play when I was like 18 on 42nd Street in Theater Row at the time, like, you know, $24 a a week. And I saw a crowd around uh, this, this thing, and I look, and there's a decapitated person that people are looking at. There's no head on the body just laying there. Really? Yeah, it kind of. This horrified me, but that was like crazy. That was New York.
0: Yeah, I remember. I was older. It was probably around the same time I went down to uh, to see Brighton Beach memoirs. I remember going into a peep show booth and watching two people fuck on a rotating table through a window with a bunch of other idiots (laughs) in windows. (laughs) And I was like, this is it, man. This yeah, is this it. is what makes New York great. All yeah. gone now. Yeah. No more decapitated no. heads in no. Times Square, and no more fucking on the spinning tables. N- n- man, no. it's not what it used to be. No. I can't stand going into Times Square now. A- <laughs> I've learned to like, you know, I don't go there much, but uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to get an apartment in the city right now as we speak. Oh uh to have. Great. And go to. Because I figure if I'm gonna die, why not die there? And you know, what it's like I had this moment where I'm like I'm looking at places, you know, to you know, have a second place or retire yeah. or like slow down. I'm thinking of the country. I'm like, what am I going to do there? Why not go to New York, where you know I can just like it takes five minutes to do anything. You can eat, you can see friends, you can go to two shows, you can go to a museum all in one day. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you can walk outside and you're not alone. Fuck it. Where are you l- looking? East Village, oh, of course. That, yeah, well, anything you you can hang out with Griffin. Sure, I can yeah. hang out with Griffin. I can hang I, out with uh, everybody. Philip Glass, yeah, I can, he's sitting there at the cafe somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's still it feels pretty vital. Again, you live there now, right?
1: I live in Brooklyn. All right, I, I live in uh Clinton Hill, Fort Greene. Yeah. Mm. But I've been in Brooklyn
0: like twenty years. Back. Really? Yeah. Before I, it was Brooklyn. Before it was cool. It
1: it was starting
0: to get cool. I can't yeah. remember time anymore. Yeah, it, it was start. But no, no, I know it's changed. Oh, but Times same. Square, I've grown to appreciate it like one would appreciate Tokyo, like you mm-hmm. know, because in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, when you you know, if you're nostalgic for the dirt and the filth and the the time when. You know, New York was broke. That's one thing because it's romanticizing a type of lifestyle. But I think Times Square now is actually closer to what it was supposed to be originally. When they had this vision. That's right. Yes. You're absolutely right. So, Uh. like, so I think it's kind of manifested. It's not attractive. But when you go there, there is a buzz available as a sober person from all that light, Mm -hmm. from all that, like, you just Mm -hmm. go there and you're like, oh, my, the spectacle of it Mm -hmm. is effective. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not eating there or anything. No, and uh, the
1: th- I went to the theater the other night what, to see what I saw. Pearly revisited, which is a great experience. Yeah, you know what it is about? No, Ozzie Davis wrote it in 1961. Mm. Um, was married to Ruby D. I think yeah. he, he was understudying uh, Sidney Poitier and Raisin in the Sun. I think. Yeah, and he wrote this play while he was doing it, and it's so ahead of his time. It's uh It was kind of you know it was a very white. A lot of white people in the audience, and it made you feel uncomfortable at times. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that's what you want, and, and, and it's what you want. And this Leslie Odom and this woman Carrie Young mm. turn in these performances that are just mon- everybody's great. But, so when do you start
0: doing that? Like so, you know, you say you left. What did you do at seventeen? Where'd you go? Oh, at seventeen, I just I I just was trying to make it. I quit school,
1: quit high school, and you didn't and, finish high school. No, uh, I got my G. Ed. Yeah. Um. But I, I was working as a busboy and as a bike messenger, making a very good uh, salary and studying acting. Delivering and, weed? No. Delivering headshots and resumes for uh, for you know for agencies.
0: Okay. That's. Are you your old family's just like adjacent to the business you want to be in, but not
1: at in all in it. Exactly, not in it. I mean, my mom worked at this restaurant with Alan and they'd yeah. get free theater tickets for the previews, they were called. They're still doing yeah. it. And they'd give them away, and I'd go to everything. My mom would be, like, I got you free. S- Sweeney Todd is going to open, check it out. And, you know, all these new shows, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so I was getting close. Yeah. And then they'd all come in the boy, the actors to eat after yeah, their shows at right. the restaurant. Yeah. Say, oh my God! So you'd have the, it was getting closer and closer. And then I uh, I got my uh, I got my SAG card uh, when I was sixteen. Uh, it was a horror film um, for the summer called The Burning. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, who was in that. Uh, uh Holly Hunter's first movie. Yeah. Jason Alexander's first wow. movie. Yeah. Uh Brian Backer who was wins the Tony the next year to play Woody Allen. He looked like Woody Allen. Yeah. And um Ned Eisenberg, great friend of mine who just died, loved him, um, was in it. And it was uh it was like a slasher movie and it was produced by these brothers who were getting into the movie business named Harvey and Bob Weinstein. It was their wow. first movie. So I got that and I'm like, I'm taking off, man. I'm gonna big be... part. Yeah, big part, pretty yeah. big. Uh, and I thought that was it, and then I, I didn't get another job for for a couple of years. Yeah, but you <laughs> did no, th- no stage work either? Oh, I did a lot of stage, but stage, uh, like, you know, not enough to make money, but, but oh, tons, tons of plays. Off, off-Broadway, off-Broadway, off no Broadway, off Broadway, off Broadway.
0: Now, like, at that time, I can't, you know, generationally, I mean, were you working with guys that, that, that you know, you could learn from or became big actors? You well, know? um... Yeah, I was. I, I did a I did a play
1: called Geography of a Horse Dreamer, uh, Sam Shepard play, and there was a guy in it um, who was one of the best actors. His name was Bobby Pastorelli, who ended up also died. But he starred in um, with Candace Bergen in that TV series for years. Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown. Yeah. And um, it, but but before the play, there'd always be guys in the dressing room, strangers. Yeah. yeah. And he was dealing coke. Before the show He'd have he'd have His customers meet In the dressing room Dealing coke yeah. While I could say this Because he's gone But yeah. he was um, yeah. But that guy Taught me a lot I watched him He was one of the most Exciting Brilliant actors The difference between He taught you The uh, English measurement scale <laughs> No <laughs> Not that part he, and, and it wasn't like He did coke Before he went on stage Yeah uh, But after I'm sure he did But um, yeah But he, he taught you Like what? Just his fearlessness. He was just this. That's coke. Excited. It might have been. Might have <laughs> been. Maybe okay. I was. Maybe I. No. Yeah. But but he was he was like one of the people that I looked up to. And his, you know, his he would just do different things every night. Yeah. You know, actors have to take risks. This guy was on, like all those guys in that show. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't working with at that. You know the best. The best thing I got was William Friedkin directed me in stage two stage readings at the Actors Studio, and I got to work with him and Glenda um, and Ellen Burstyn. Oh, really? That, that was for my, what? For what? They were well, believe it or not a musical about the Jewish ghetto about Loach. Oh, yeah. Which was uh, never got made. Francis Fisher starred in it. Uh, never got made. She was brilliant. She was one of the first. Also, people I worked with. Where I was like her and then I got to work with Ellen Burstyn who was like another level yeah, yeah, So yeah. they but but they were they were like weak productions. Like I only got to work for a week.
0: But it did show you what the task and the possibility of what a working actor looks like at all oh, levels, right?
1: And, it does. And you see but you can see like
0: who's great, who's great, who's at other levels. Like But I mean, you did so much stage work. There's also stage great and film great. And a lot of times, stage great stays there. That's right, right. It's a very different craft. Yeah, yeah. But was was any of the stuff you learned as a kid applicable?
1: A lot. Dan taught me a lot. Dan taught me about being fearless. Dan taught me about being confident about when I get on stage, yeah. taking the stage, and and then um, and I got into Uda Hagen's class, who was another uh, amazing teacher, and then
0: who I, was in that class with you?
1: You know, it was the cast of. Almost the whole cast of Dreamgirls at the time: Cheryl Lee Ralph, Andy Curtis, Hall, Oba Baptenandu, Uh uh-huh. They were, they were all in that class. Yeah, um, and. A guy named Gareth Williams, I don't know if you've seen him in L.A., he's a big L.A. theater guy now.
0: Now, like um, Uta Hagen, you're sitting with her, Well, has, she's got to be old at that point, right? Or she no? was probably 70. She's one of the big method people, She right? has
1: her own method, yeah. Like, you come to class, this is what I loved about these classes, they were so intense. You'd do a scene and you'd bring props, you'd bring shit from your house. Right. And you'd be, you, you'd basically, like, recreate the room. Yeah, and and oh, interesting. And rehearsals were very intense with your for just scene study. Yeah, for scene study, and it was like she wanted you to feel like what it was like to be performing. She made she scared the shit out of us, but
0: also the the practicality of making the stage real enough to inhabit as a real space. Yes, right. Yes, because that seems to be the trickiest thing. I mean, like you know, you can when I think about acting in what little I know about it from talking to actors, like there's the idea that the script's going to carry you no matter what if you believe in it. Like you got the mammoth school, which is like any idiot can do this. Just say the lines. But ultimately, it's stiff. It doesn't work. No. But then to inhabit not just a character, but a space, I think inhabiting the space is actually harder. It's, and it becomes, like, to me,
1: it's one of the basis of my acting now from that. And the other thing she taught us was, you got to come in, you, you prepare the first five minutes like crazy so that you're, once you're in, you're in. So she, you'd start the scene, she'd go, stop, go back, stop, go back. Yeah. So that you're so in it right at the beginning, and then it'll,
0: it'll push, you, push you through. And it just gives you those kind of neural pathways, those chops. Yeah. You know, to, to sort of like, because obviously when you get onto a, a movie set or onto a, a big Broadway production, you're going to be freaked out. But, it, you know, if you've done all this other stuff, it helps. I, it's, at some yeah. point, it'll kick in. Yeah. So when did the movie start coming?
1: Well, before that, to be honest, uh, the, the reason I, I got my first break was, was Matthew Broderick. Was because of the show I saw. No. It, but the one before we did, I uh, we did, we, I say we did because he was in a show called Torch Song Trilogy. Right, sure.
0: Fifteen. I talked to him. Yeah. Oh, Harvey? Yeah. Harvey, yeah. Oh, Harvey. yeah, yeah I, was, I love you. I, was a, I love that was Harvey. a great one. Oh, he's amazing. I read his book. That's a good one. Oh, book. I love his book. I I'm yeah, I But the thing, the history of him in experimental theater of the, oh. of the late 60s, I mean like you didn't like you know, people know Torch Song and they and they know this, it's sort of a it's the mainstreaming of gay culture in a way, right? But you know he was a real deal. he oh, was a, he, he, a, a dirty boy that was hanging out with at La Mama when yeah, it started, and yeah. with Warhol,
1: and with uh, it, that was great. He's a he is a yeah, he's a real trend. I mean he he changed theater. I, yeah, he changed he, really he changed culture. He did he did. I love Harvey. So it's you and Broderick. So Broderick is doing the play and. I run into him and I knew him because we were, uh, you know, I, we knew in, each other in high school. still friends? Still great friends.
0: Oh, yeah. you went to high school, Brooklyn? Uh, but
1: I went to Brooklyn Friends. He went to Walden, but we had mutual friends. I was in love with this girl at his high school. It yeah. Didn't, it didn't work out. Yeah. Of course, Matthew got her. I didn't. But oh, anyway. yeah? Yeah. Anyway, that's a long story. But um, so Matthew says, hey, man, I'm, uh, I'm leaving the show Torch Song and it may move to Broadway. Um, and I'm like, well. To do Bueller? To do the other show that you saw me in. Oh, to do Brighton, Brighton Beach? Beach, yeah, and and he got me. I I didn't have an agent even at the time, so because I thought I thought my career was over after the horror film. I couldn't get anything. So that was it. You he, thought you were I, done. I
0: thought I was done. Going to get a new bike.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, he gets me the audition, and I got the job, and then uh, he was leaving. I did Song for a year and it was, it moved to Broadway. It was great. And then I got, um, Brighton beach. He, he said, I'm leaving this. I'll get you an audition. Then I even had an agent by then, but he got me, he pushed for me to do Brighton beach. And
0: then I did Brighton beach. And then, uh, I couldn't, like, it's weird. I, I kind of knew who project was, I couldn't even picture him in it. I thought that was your, that was your show. I think so too, <laughs> uh, but then yeah, and then you know I, why? What? Well, because you're a Jew. A Jew. <laughs> yeah. I, well, he's half a Jew. It doesn't count. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. It required like there was. There's a sensibility. I could see him doing it. But he I mean, he was there, there, great. There, he was great. Yeah, of yeah, course. But great. there's a sensibility. The Simon things. You know. I know. I uh, I had such
1: fun doing. it. Oh my god, I had fun doing that show. Did
0: you d- work with Neil at all? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah
1: yeah. I did, and then uh, and then he. He, I actually did a, one of his movies, uh, Marrying Man, afterwards. And uh, I improv- improvised one day, and he, he, goes, he gives me this thing. He calls me over like with the finger. Mm. Fisher, come here. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, he fucking loves my shit. Yeah, I'm the guy. <laughs> and, and Paul Reiser's going, oh, well, he doesn't call me over. Yeah. He, and he goes, Fisher, you rewrite one more line, you're going to walk the unemployment line. Wow. And I come back, and I tell Paul that, and he's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Riser
0: doing his early stuff. Yeah, yeah. What he wanted out of comedy. Oh, Riser? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he just like I'm going to be an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, yeah. Diner. Well, Diner was big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I that that was that as a life changer that one. But he's older than us. Yes. Yes. Well, my my first real good movie
1: role was because uh I did uh, Gary Marshall saw me in Gary Marshall? In Brighton Beach. He's another guy that has a a way of talking. I know. A fish out. Okay, now you move over here on the line like that. (laughs) He's still in the Bronx, even though he's been in Hollywood for 400 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he saw Brighton Beach and cast me in... uh, Flamingo Flamingo Kid? Flamingo Kid. You were great in that. I was just remembering that. That was Matt Dillon, right? Matt Dillon, who... Talk about, like, film acting. That was the first time I watched a guy... And go, holy shit, he's doing a whole other kind of acting that's yeah. brilliant. Because Matt, I, at that point, yeah, he'd already mastered film acting. Yeah. I mean, and I was like, holy. And, From my bodyguard up. Yeah, my bodyguard. And, and then uh, uh, Rumblefish. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and Outsiders. Yeah. yeah. And and I was like, holy shit, this guy has a whole, I, I he blew my mind. Like, what was it? First of all, I was a theater guy, so I was very big oh, yeah, and, yeah. and I had to come way down and and Matt just like the camera like we were all very aware of the camera, but for whatever reason, Matt was able to just forget the camera but know exactly where to look and how to look and not to be he just inhabited i, I don't I, he blew my mind as an actor well that's what that's, that's the
0: interesting him? thing, and I never think about anything other than like getting through it and <laughs> <laughs> making the choices, being present, mm. listening. And, you know, like I have the time when I do anything, you know, even if the camera's right in front of me, I don't know what camera is mine, but um, <laughs> it's just I irresponsible. Know. But <laughs> no. but yeah. I talked to Jeff Daniels, you know, and he really was like, you know, he was, he was in my face. He's like, as a screen actor, you have to learn how to use your face mm-hmm. because he's like 90%. Of screen acting is your face. Yeah. And I never thought of that. Yeah. And my mouth's always hanging open halfway.
1: No, it's true. It's true. And Matt embodied that. Yeah. And Matt was like at a... No, that was like a whole other level for me. And, uh-huh. And uh, I just was like, holy shit, I've got to rethink the way I, I do think.
0: But also, yeah. like, at that time, you know, these were comic parts. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess his had. A little bit more depth or whatever, but I mean, but you knew the parameters of your character. I knew the rhythms, right? I knew the rhythms, but
1: it was the the way I just had to come down, you know. When you yeah. when you're doing the Broadway, because I actually was on Broadway at night, and then I would come and do that at the day,
0: you know. So it was like, where they shoot it on the island, Fire Rockaway. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. So then, what as that, as things go on with the film stuff? I mean, was there a point? Because like you're a guy that's a character actor, I would say. Yeah, yeah. right. So you're going to be the guy they go to, to for that guy. Yeah. And was there were there points outside of you know the Flamingo Kid where you're like this is it? Like when you're on a set and you're like holy fuck. Uh, you you never get
1: once the movie ends you get nervous like and then you 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 know you start auditioning and you start seeing all these guys and it, it now, like it's funny I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts yeah. where people they go oh. I was so, you know, back then I was in a hurry or I didn't, I didn't appreciate what I had. You know, it was yeah, a sure, lot of sure. that. It was a lot oh, of Oh, yeah? That. Yeah. It was a lot of like, what's next, you know? Um, well, you like to work. I like to work
0: and I was in a hurry. Yeah, for some reason, and hurry to what? Just get more, get more, get more, yeah. and not make choices based on. Yeah, uh, that might not be a good thing to do.
1: Or like, why don't I take a, a month and go to Paris or do something or chill out? You know, uh, it, there was no chilling out. It was like, what's next? What's next? That's why. I, that's why I changed my life
0: because I didn't want to just be sitting around. So lot it. And you think you're right. going to do something. Maybe they've actually figured out that they can do things. I think some people got into acting because of that time. It's like, I mm-hmm. just go out there for five minutes in, like, right. in three hours. Yeah. So now maybe I'm going to read a book. Yeah. But all I do is sit in a trailer going, what the fuck could they it, be doing? Yeah. Why, when are they cutting to me? God, I got to go. I got things how to long, do. How long does it take to set up
1: this shot? They're uh, in the same place. I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. Well- so, but you did do a lot of movies. I did. I did. I, and I, I did a lot of movies and uh, playing a lot of different characters.
0: But, I mean, you're working with people, like, you know, you're working with, uh, who was it, uh, Jeremy Irons. Oh, um, and, yeah. I
1: mean, like, this, I, like. That I, was a good movie, yeah. Reversal of Fortune yeah. is a good movie. Yeah, that, that again, uh, my scenes were with Ron Silver, another guy. Like He's a, he's an angry little man. Right, but he, at that time, yeah. was at top of his game and yeah. was like fucking beast to work with he was so prepared he was so good he was so focused he yeah was, it was a blessing i love to pick up things um yeah. i don't know what happens you know i i i started getting offered a lot of television series and, yeah and i turned them down uh thinking tv is beneath me and and then i saw all my friends start taking tv shows and right. getting rich and and then getting big movies and uh-huh. then i and then i was like oh shit i gotta do tv and and it, you know, it's. What'd you end up on? My first show was called Key West, um, and it was one of Fox's first shows. And it was really, believe it or not, it was about a, uh, a, a bar. That it's uh, Jennifer Tilly's a madam and her prostitutes uh-huh. worked at the bar, uh-huh. and uh, I was a writer for uh, a newspaper that um, Ernest Hemingway used to work for, and I uh, wanted to be Ernest Hemingway. Okay, a young Ernest Hemingway. And how long did that last? Thirteen episodes. Yeah, in Key West in you know the 90, early nineties. It was. Wait a minute, did you do soap operas? I did soap operas. Oh yeah, I was. I mean, that was my big. those were my big claim to fame. First, yeah, Ryan's Hope is the first time I spoke on a soap opera. I had lines. It was. Incredible, yeah. Did <laughs> did <laughs> I actually tripped one day and made it a comedy? And I I, I was one of the early comedic roles on a soap opera. Ryan okay, soap. but was I, that a recurring? Or yeah, just that a- was a recurring during high school. Uh, oh, so that's
0: where it really starts. Yeah.
1: yeah, I forgot about that. Jesus, I haven't thought about that in so long. I was a recurring. I think I did mu- maybe eight episodes. They offered me a, a contract. Yeah, and I said no. Yeah. That
0: I, I just couldn't. You know. What was shooting a soap opera like? They're just like churning it out, right? Oh my god, every day. I scripts. can't imagine. Do they even exist anymore you're in looking, the form they used you're to? You're
1: looking at a prompter, right? Yeah. Your lines are at the on the prompter. Right? No shit. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I never had more than four or five lines. Yeah.
0: But um, yeah, but it was really exciting. But it's interesting because all right, so you decide to do TV, and then you sure you're, you're popping up in in all these different TV episodes. Oh, now I love TV. Are you kidding? TV's Point. it's Different. It's a whole different. world. Yeah, but you did Friends. I did Friends. You know. Yeah. You did Frasier. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. ones. Good ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good ones. Um, if, until I, Mr. I'm, I'm only I'm only I'm only reading the ones I recognize. Well, well Mr. there's another forty. What about Mr. Vegas? I don't know. <laughs> Doctor Vegas. That was at a low point when I had no money and I was desperate. Like, what'd you do with your money? <laughs> Uh, I spent it I, not on anything. Like I, I, I don't know. I bought an apartment and actually lost money in Greenwich Village. Can you imagine in the yeah. in the nineties? Um, oh, really? Yeah. Just didn't hold on to it long enough. I, I did not. Um, yeah. I don't Doctor know. Vegas. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Now, so that was a classic Rob Lowe. Uh, Joey Pantoliano my friend I was like Joey I need some cash can you get me a guest spot? He's that like, guy. Hold great.
0: on a second. Hold on fish. Dude, it was so hilarious when I interviewed him. Oh, he's the best, man. You know, he's the best. He's and the- he was like it was it was like a week before he got into that accident, he got mm-hmm. hit by the car or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he was on Zoom cuz it was the covid, right? And he didn't know how to work something. And he's like what the fuck? <laughs> you know, he's like just doing Joey Pants. Right? You know, he's got to get his daughter in there to get the sound to work oh, and he's losing he's a his shit. He
1: is a the legend, best. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Joey Pants. I One night, me and Matt Dillon and Joey and another friend of ours, Brian Collins, we went to Babo and we got drunk and it was a snowstorm. It just started snowing, yeah. and, we're, and, and we're all, like, dressed nicely. I think we came from some kind of, I don't know, benefit event. thing. Event. Yeah. And uh, we start having a snowball fight outside, and we start throwing snowballs, and Joey falls and breaks his collarbone <laughs> <laughs> in the snowball fight. It, it's
0: still, you could still feel.
1: Uh, uh, he he would have been yelling. Oh, he was screaming. I love Joey.
0: But Pink. he did Vice Principals. That was good. But this yeah. is all later. Yeah, These that's are, later. Because he started directing at some point.
1: I started directing, I did my first movie uh, in 2001. It was a play that I directed in at Naked Angels, this theater company I co-founded. Who was who was in that? Was that... Uh, it was yeah, uh, Marissa yeah. Tomei was in it, and Gina was, Gershon, yeah, uh, yeah. John Robin Bates was a writer, Kenny Lonergan, um,
0: Frank Boise,
1: yeah, Matthew Broderick, Sarah Jessica Parker, they... they they,
0: I think they met this me, was a thing that you, you know that happened in New York I mean there were a couple of these companies yeah you know, actor driven companies yeah well there was also uh, David Mamet's company sure.
1: Atlantic Atlantic, which yeah. a bunch of people uh, left because they didn't like the technique so they came over to us yeah so it was interesting cause, wow because the Atlantic was very Mamet-esque all
0: like you know well, he, had a, he, he literally has an approach to acting that is like the least respectful of acting it's like he's he's a shit starter <laughs> and like there are guys that you know the weird thing about actors, I think, that some people are just, you know, you, either you're innately an actor or not. I mean, Macy was there with him at the beginning yeah, of The Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. But I don't look at Macy and think he's a mammoth, that, you know, he's a mammoth-taught actor. He's, you know, he's just, you know, he's Macy. Yeah. But he 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 does mammoth better than pretty much. I guess it's just innate in him. Well, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it is like, maybe Mammoth just set up a school to only do Mammoth plays. I don't know, but Al loves Mammoth. Pacino, he does,
1: he loves doing Mammoth stuff and he's great at it, you know. He's still doing it. He's
0: still, I think he's still. Well, the thing about Pacino is that, you know, he's one of those guys, and I, I said this to Chastain recently. He's of that generation, but he can still do it. Like, I think Pacino likes it when he can have a certain thrust. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, you know, that, like, it, it satisfies him. Yes. And he's always been that guy. If you give him something where he can go, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, he, I, I think it energizes him. But when he needs to go in, he can still go in. Oh, like, yeah. he can get very vulnerable and very, take real risks. You know, I, I can't, I cannot get over his, uh, Portrayal of Jack Cavorkian. I mean, like it's unreal. It's unreal. It's unreal. Like he can still do the real work, but I think he likes, you know, swinging his dick around. Yeah. But if you look at the beginning of him, if you, I just, I just hosted Dog Day at a theater out here. That's the most vulnerable, fucked up it's, movie in the world. It's I, the I, best. I, I,
1: I just saw it too. He he showed it in in the Bronx at the big movies theater uh, recently as well. Al did. Yeah, Al did. Uh-huh. It, it was unbelievable. I unbelievable. Mean, he he's uh, I don't know. He's. Uh,
0: He's magical, man. All right. Well, okay. So he likes Mamet, but that, he's not yeah. limited to that. No. And Mamet's written some great screenplays. I just saw him, you know, because I interviewed him years ago. It was the funniest thing. I was walking out of a haircut in Santa Monica. I never fucking go to Santa Monica ever. It's just too far away. But yeah, I'm wanting to get a fancy haircut. <laughs> so I walk out of this place and I see someone who could only be Mamet mm. walking down the street. And what like, you know, has a little bowl kind of like walk, mm. you know, and his sunglasses. And he's walking by. I go, David Mamet, and he turns around and goes, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> And I go, yeah. Mark Mary's He's like, oh, oh, yeah. Did you get that book I had sent over? I'm like, I don't even know. Do you? What are you talking about? I haven't seen you in years. Yeah, it was funny. Wow. funny. Yeah. I, thanks. I've never met him.
1: Oh, really? No. Uh, he's Somewhere, a character, yeah, dude. I know. I can imagine. I mean, I don't. I've been reading some crazy shit. He's been reading. I don't know where,
0: where he's coming from with no. that, but yeah. yeah, half of me thinks it's just to, to start, start shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that guy loves to start shit. Yeah. There are a lot of people like that. Yeah. So, you start directing that play. I, I directed a play at
1: Naked Angels, and then I we adapted it, and we made a video kind of movie, a $700,000 movie with Marissa and Ron Eldard, um, and uh, it was called Just a Kiss, and we used rotoscoping. It was kind of arty. It wasn't great. Yeah. Um, actually, Peter Dinklage was in the play, and I should have cast him as the lead in the movie, and I didn't. Uh. I, I, I cast the writer. Feels like the kind of guy that'd still be mad at you for that. I uh, Probably. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I, see, I see him at school drop-off. He's pretty nice. Our kids go to the same school. Okay. Um, but uh, then, yeah, so I directed that thinking, oh, I'm going to be a director. And, of course, no one, you know, the movie didn't do great.
0: And then uh, I started producing a lot. And But then um, you did that Stand-Up Guys movie. And then you did, uh, what was the alignment with uh, Leguizamo?
1: Oh, so John and I, we did, uh, we met in 1988. We did Midsummer Night's Dream together at the Public Theater, Joe Papp. Okay. Uh and we, uh, I was Demetrius. He was Puck. Yeah. And he, um, and I, um, he fucking put itching powder in my. He knew I had a quick change, and he yeah. put itching powder in my jock. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I started because uh, I started scratching my balls on stage and I was losing my mind. Yeah. And I realized he fucking did it as Puck because he was in character. Yeah. So I took shaving cream and I shaving creamed his entire dressing room yeah. all over his shit.
0: Yeah. And um, and if bu- people are wondering, this is how you prepare for Shakespeare. Yeah, this is doing
1: a, a major <laughs> play at, at the public. Yeah. And then um, we, uh, we both got written up uh, by the equity deputy and uh, fined. And we became great friends. Uh-huh. And then we did uh, a Super Mario Brothers movie together. And then um, I directed him in Ghetto Clown, which we worked on for three years and toured and then went to Broadway and was a big success on Broadway. And you shot it too? I did it for HBO. We yeah, shot yeah. it for HBO. That yeah. wasn't that long ago, was it? No, it was like, like 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, so, and that, again, it's just like, I just love doing different things. Right? Yeah. So it was a very interesting process. And it do you have a them. production
0: company at that point?
1: That point I was, n- I did not. Yeah. At that point I did not. I've had, I've gone through like, um, I'm in my third production company right now. Yeah. Um, hopefully I've learned my, how to, I've scaled everything way down and
0: lean and mean. And, yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, stand-up guys, you had high expectations out of that, right?
1: Yeah. Stand-up guys was a, it was a weird one because uh, the producer who I really love, Tom Rosenberg, uh, he kind of sat over my shoulder the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was it was not, um, you know, I would say I would have liked to have maybe done a few things differently. And but maybe,
0: you're directing like, you know, these big guys. Yeah. And
1: they're awesome. Pacino, Walken. And Arkin. Yeah, Arkin, yeah. I mean, it was a magical experience, but... Uh, listen, it, after coming from the theater and doing what you want to do, yeah, you know, I was the first time I, A, I had any money to make something, yeah. and B, had a lot of limitations. Right. Creatively. Right. But Al was, um, you know, great. And w- every Saturday we rehearsed at Al's house, me and Chris and Al. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was, I'd say one of the greatest experiences of my life were those rehearsals. And then Alan would come if he had to do his scenes. I mean, it was... That was to me, the best part of the whole thing was rehearsing at Al's house with Chris and Al and Alan, and I mean, watching them. Because yeah. walking like he's become onto himself. I think he always was. You do? You do? <laughs> I, I think he. Yeah, I think so. I mean, God, he was great to work with, though. I mean, why these guys show up, man? They they were older then back yeah, then, sure. and this is like nine years, um, and they were prepared. They knew their lines. They like. Excited, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: The off the just the process was worth
1: the whatever it was worth, but but it put me in for whatever reason. Like, I still think the movie's okay, but it put me in a bit of a director's jail. Um, Really, yeah, I couldn't really because why because there was money involved. Well, I thought I'd at least get to shot or get an agent, yeah. (laughs) But then the good news for me was that it drove me deeper into documentaries. Um, which I love doing, and I I was deep in before. Yeah. But then I just kind of, you know...
0: What was the first documentary? I mean, I know The Cove got the Oscar,
1: right? Yeah, but my first documentary was um, actually about soccer in America. It was called Once in a Lifetime. It was when Pele, Beckenbauer, uh, Roberto Carlos, and Georgia Canalia came to New York to play for the New York Cosmos. And it was a story of trying to build the national... NASL, soccer mm. League, and it was a really cool movie about this Hollywood studio executive Steve Ross and Ahmed Erdogan, who ran Atlantic records yeah who who tried to turn the league into something yeah. and build something and try to get Americans to give to, a shit to give a shit about soccer which it just never happened didn 't happen so that, that was how many years ago that was in two thousand and three we started for two thousand and four. And then that was very you know, we had very successful sale. How do you and, get there from there to dolphin fishing? Well then I did Crazy Love. Have you seen Crazy Love? Which what, what's that about? About the couple from the Bronx in 1959 who fall in love and he's a 32-year-old lawyer. She's an eighteen-year-old secretary. He says he'll marry her, but he's married with two kids. He gets heart he's crazy, heartbroken. He hires these guys to throw acid in her eyes. They blind her, bald her he goes to jail for 14 years writes her love letters and he comes out of jail and they get married and this is a movie called Crazy Love and it's their story and we inter- Did that you know, just
0: show up on Netflix or something recently? Maybe, maybe. Cuz I I feel like I just saw uh, something about this. Okay. Well, yeah, you did that. I did that. Then the guy making the cove
1: was uh saw that saw what I, you know, saw my yeah. movies and he was a scuba diving friend, buddy. We I used to scuba dive with this guy and, yeah, and he was like I've been filming... Are you an adventurer? I was before I had kids, yes. I can't say I am anymore, but I was. Yeah, I climbed Kilimanjaro. I like scuba dive all over the world. I love that shit, but now... That, huh. That's all. Now I make movies and r- try to see my kids as much as I can. But um, I'm Kilimanjaro. You, you scuba dive. You sail? I never sailed. No, I I love to have people sail for me and be on the boat. But yeah. I, I, I'm bad with anything like knots, technical, anything like that. Are you okay when you uh, with a tank and the with tank? Hiking? I'm okay. And hiking, I'm okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hiking, but not if I have to be driving. Vehicles, something, no good. No, I many people still won't get. Don't like to get into a car with me. Oh, and that I've, yeah, that I've had issues. Yeah. yeah, I've had issues with cars.
0: So that, so the guy who produced Crazy Love, or there no, was no, someone so, so saw. someone saw it, and anyway, my
1: my scuba buddy had been filming this for like three years, yeah. and said, I don't know what to do with this, and Jim Clark who was financing it. My buddy said, Fisher, you do it. You come on, and we, yeah. So that that took a couple years of, uh that took a, <laughs> that was a lot of footage to put to put together so then did the cove and what year was that that was in it came out in 2009 um 2009 2010 wild yeah and then i got deep into environmental stuff because because what i learned making the cove was like what the fuck is going on with the i didn't know anything about the environment pre that really yeah i mean i knew we were not doing well but once you learn, wow, we're really not doing one well. now. Oh my! I mean, where? Oh, I, I, yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. But then I got really into making movies about
0: yeah. the problem. Well, that's so, good. That seems like a righteous uh, angle on documentaries.
1: Well, you feel like if you could do something cool, they maybe can make a difference. Like the dolphin slaughters definitely cut down. Like I saw, like the 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 uh, that actually making a movie could change. Yeah. But uh, my last few about the environment, nothing's... It's gotten just worse and worse, and I, and I was overwhelmed. You fuck. You couldn't I, save uh, us? I couldn't. No. God damn it. <laughs> it's bad, Mark. I, but I was counting on you. I, I thought you... And it, it makes you not even want to fucking... Finish this interview. You, yeah, I just want to go out and get sit in the sun and fuck myself up more in California sunshine. Yeah. I don't know.
0: But but at some point before you did this Beckham thing, how does the offer for succession happen? So you're saving the world, but then well, you get- it became. I'll tell you how it happened. It was because of the United
1: Nations. The United Nations. I I did a lot of shooting for the United Nations. Yeah,
0: and. uh Nick Burnett, Bernba- you, you did a lot of. I film.
1: I film the peacekeepers in Haiti, and I make little films. You're for-
0: on contract for the UN.
1: No, you're just, an archivist. Or? I was just doing like little. They asked me to do things to film. The things. UN did, yeah, to right. put things together. Okay, and um, you're helping. I'm helping. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was interesting, yeah. right? And you present your little short films at the you know in the General Assembly, and
0: it was like it was cool and. Like which ones do you do? The peacekeepers in Haiti? Is yeah, it? peacekeepers
1: in Haiti, and um, did a couple films for them on that, and uh, yeah, for the peacekeepers, yeah. basically. Yeah. So Nick, who who asked me to do these little films, says, "Hey man, there's this guy you got to meet. He's a director yeah. named Mark Mylod, and uh, he wants to do a film about us." And so the three of us had dinner. Well, Mark Mylod was off, about to go do this new show called Succession. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well when you get back, it'll yeah. probably be canceled. And when right. you're done, we can work on this show. <laughs> yeah, And, and I never heard from Mark Milad until like two years later. Yeah. And I, for, I didn't even remember he was doing succession, but yeah. he, he asked me to do a little part. It was um, a good part. Yeah. It well turned into a very good part. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was, that was because
0: of the UN. Well, that, I think that part for you was good because like it, it you know, I, it, I think it's an interesting thing where the character you're playing has to be, you know, a, an actor who's trying to survive in a corporate environment. Like, that, that there's another layer to it. That yeah. the moral compass is garbage. Yeah. And you're just trying to figure out how to stay in the game. Which is all, we're, this is all
1: you're trying to do anyway on that show. Because you're, you're acting with everybody's a fucking yeah. brilliant... I, I'd never been on a... I'd never been surrounded on a constant basis by more brilliant actors. Yeah. And everybody was like... It, I mean, every single person... Was like, also, you know, you do a show for a few years. Th- there's never a moment that anyone was walking through every scene, every it didn't seem day. like uh, anyone would let anybody do. That. No, it was it, it was a magical moment, and and yeah, and I was only supposed to do a few episodes, and it just worked out that whatever I yeah. s- I slimed my way in. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, well, that was <laughs> the character. That was who Hugo was. Yeah, but um, it was. It was this talk about learning. That, yeah, I, I mean, I was like learning. I, I still feel like uh, I'm still learning so much. Of course, and, how could you not? And it's wonderful to just be able to be around people that can just school you.
0: Well, I find that if you can stay in it, you know, whatever it is, if you, if you didn't pick a field where you sort of age out or get forgotten, that you know, whatever you're going to bring to it every year of your life that you survive. <laughs> You know, and yeah. whatever lessons yeah. you've learned in life, which are many, if you get to a certain age and you're still engaged in it, yeah. are going to inform, you know, whatever you're doing for expression. And then when you see other people take you know, risks at at a certain age, you know, I think that those risks that we talked about earlier, you know, you, you kind of take them for granted after a certain point. But then you, you get into an environment where you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be fucking on, man. Yeah.
1: I know. I know. So, so uh, it was a great. It was a great experience working with...
0: Well, it was people. an amazing show. And I've talked to... You know, I talked to... Jay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I talked to... And, uh, and Jeremy. And Jeremy. Uh, and Jeremy I, was great. Jeremy was so honest with you. He was just like... Yeah, he likes being honest. It's his, <laughs> it's his secret weapon. I know. I yeah, know. I like him. Yeah. I, 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 You know, I hope... He's one of those guys where he does this great work. It's sort of... But no matter how big that show was and no matter, you know, how much press he got about how he handles it, there's still this part of me that's sort of like, I hope it works out for him. You know, I got hope... <laughs> He's going to be fine. Yeah, I, he's I he's uh, yeah. he uh, Not that I feel like it won't, but I mean, he's very intense. Yeah, you, you know, and that that character, there are certain characters one plays in their life where it's sort of like uh, Ham and, and playing Draper. Yeah, where where it's just like a glove. Yeah, amazing. And, and you you know how are you going to match that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it was you. You invented
1: that guy. He really did. Yeah, I mean, and 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 Kieran. Yeah, I mean, Kieran, well, Karen, he's and Matthew, that guy. yeah, Karen's a genius. They're all they're amazing. I mean, Matthew, I mean, everybody snook. I mean, great. Uh, oh they're. It was so fun to go to work,
0: but you had to fucking be, be at work. You had to work. You had to be ready. So look, I'll be honest with you. Um, I watched all four Beckham's the other night, and I don't give a shit or know anything about soccer. I knew Beckham was a thing, but mm-hmm. I had no idea the scope. I, I, I had no point of reference for him other than I heard the name right. and that he was a soccer player <laughs> and he was British. Yeah, But I'm like, well, you know, out of respect for, uh, for Fisher, I'm going to watch this thing. And I loved it. I, I mean, I, I learned uh, about soccer. I learned about, you know, him. I learned about, you know, th- the press and how they ruin people. Yeah. I learned about the challenges of... You know, having a, a father who who programmed you from an early age mm. who uh you know who, uh, about a person who gave up everything to be this thing they wanted to be and then became the best at it i I learned all that stuff. It's a great story uh and it's interesting because one thing I reflect on after you know talking to Schwarzenegger and seeing that documentary, and I just watched the Rob Reiner's Albert Brooks documentary mm. as a documentarian, the job I imagine for doing something like Crazy Love or The Cove is a different job yes. than shooting a sanctioned <laughs> biographical documentary of uh, a, a, a figure, a known cultural figure. Very different.
1: Yeah. A whole different set of tools needed.
0: Uh, and yeah. it's The it's, line is different. The line is very different. Um, because, you know, I saw when you pushed the line. Mm-hmm. and And I also saw that like, well, you know, He's not looking to sandbag anybody, but not only that, his subject's not going to let him. Yeah, so yeah, it was tricky. Yeah, it was tricky. Um, and and I
1: pushed. You know, there were other things that I had to cut out because it, David just wouldn't go there with me. You know, but there were other things that I it was, was British sh-
0: too. So they are they're, two, they're, le- they're two very, levels of
1: not going there with you. Very repressed. Yeah. Um. I mean, the guy never. Uh, looks back and he never, you know, I mean, there
0: were moments where he couldn't even like, you could see his body, you know, because he couldn't he, say anything bad about certain people. There was a respect and there was a, you know, a kind of like suck it up thing, but he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to throw his dad under the bus. He wasn't even going to yeah. throw that manager under the bus. What Ferguson? Yeah. yeah. he Wasn't going to throw uh well, he uh, threw huddle under the bus. Which one was huddle? The, the manager of the English team. Um, oh, Oh, the world yeah. cup team. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think that guy got set up. I think Beckham was, was a, was a, uh, a pawn in that game. Yeah. And well, it just, it, it, what was amazing is that he endured it. That's what the, I was fascinated by. How this guy survived
1: that journey and continued. And 21, 22. 22 and, and continued to like thrive. And how, it wasn't easy though. It was no, because he was a great player. He was a great player, but mentally, it's still difficult to be a great player with all when you're going through all that shit. Like mentally, like you still. It have was to, crazy, dude.
0: Yeah, that yeah. you know they that the World Cup. If people don't know, and I didn't know as of you know three days ago, that that guy Huddle, the coach of the World Cup, you know, hang, hung Britain's defeat uh, against Argentina on this 22 year old kid, 21, 22 year old kid. Yeah, for something that didn't even look like it was legit
1: it would it would have never been given a red card today uh yeah and then as simeone says in the movie you know i was acting i fell you know and the ref saw the whole thing he was right there i mean he saw simeone kind of fall right so
0: so they throw him beckham out of the game yeah and in, in the and england loses the world cup and this guy you know gets blamed for it by the entire world yeah yeah and he and to, because I didn't know anything about him, this unfolded to me like a, a dramatic tension.
1: Good, Because you want to hear the truth. Yeah. I didn't know anything about him. Well, how did you choose to do the thing? I was asked to do it, and I didn't think I should do it. And then I met him, and he said, "I, I the world doesn't know my story. They all think I had this great, everything was r- roses, and I want to tell my own story my way. And uh, I think you're the guy to do it because you don't know very much about me. <laughs> And he was right in a way, and I, because I'm, you know, I wasn't into soccer till he left. Real, he went to Madrid. I didn't know anything about. It. I, I thought the same about him that you did, basically.
0: Well, but the thing is, is that there were two turns in his life where things got horrible for him. You mm-hmm. know, really horrible for him. And and you know, I guess he's arguably one of the great players. Correct. Well, uh, great English, great English players. Yeah, he changed the way people play.
1: I mean, the way he passed those those uh from the corner yeah the corner and his his dead ball kicks from and is not I mean he he was a he was a game changer literally the way that he played um he was he was incredible um you know now there's been so many great players since and you know but but he was the thing that you brought up that was so to me interesting was how he mentally didn't become a drug addict, alcoholic, and fall apart, and the family It wasn't apart, in him. It, I know, but... His dad wasn't going
0: to let him, and the dad that he had living inside of him wasn't going to let him. That's right. That's right. And he still has that in him. Sure. This dad living inside him. and Yeah, I mean, know. and his dad's still around, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like... Yeah, yeah I guess the second turn was the tabloidization of the affairs, or the yeah. uh, 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 assumed affairs, which he, you know diplomatically, not even diplomatically, which he didn't handle. He didn't come clean in the dock, but he did. Right. And, and you know, whatever they were able to survive in that was, you know, a testament to whatever that family was made out of and what she's made out of. And yeah. just, for me, it's sort of like these people, after a, at, after a certain pay point where they're like, I'd bought a house, I'd set up the house, and these aren't little houses, <laughs> and then we sold the house. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I, 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 I had a hard time leaving the one house I owned yeah. before that was a thousand square foot house. I'm like, I'm just going to die here. I don't, you know, I don't know how. I don't want the aggravation. But just the sort of way that people with massive amounts of money are sort of like, they just get people to take care of things. Yeah, yeah. But I really oddly, the two things that I came away with it not outside of learning about his life and and sort of the arc of his several different manifestations of the trajectories of his career. Uh. Was there was something you shot that I thought was very smart when, you know, he was out and he was retired and, you know, and he was that the, the thing that started creeping into his his current life, you know, not working mm. was like this weird uh, OCD, mm. you know. Uh, anal kind of like organization of things and cleaning, where you know he's talking about how he likes just hanging out at the house, but he's sitting there sort of polishing an oven. He likes know.
1: that, he can't, no, sit I know he likes dope. it, yeah.
0: But, but there was something where you're sort of like, this guy needs to get back in it, yeah. Something,
1: yeah. Well, that's the beauty of Messi coming to Miami because when we started filming, Miami was this bottom basement team, uh, in the MLS that David is one of the major owners up runs the team once Messi, uh which i couldn't believe he got messy like that was the we were finished filming we locked picture and i had to go take a camera and run down to miami to get that but now he's got this exciting new because messi wants him around in florida and he's the season's ended now for them but he had this great thing where he he, oh i'm back i got i got a contender
0: Right, but also he it shifted his, you know, perception and understanding of the game once he sold out. Mm. You know, and and that was the other that was the third turn of the screw where yeah. you know, he was just sort of like, what are you doing? You know, going to America and it's it's nothing. Yeah. You know, and it it turns out it probably was true, but ultimately that shifted his perception of of what it means to be involved in the sport. And and I think ultimately with getting that player, he was like he's in the sport again. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. It's I mean, totally, I know there's big but, money there. But, but you didn't even, like, uh, you didn't even go to any of those games when he was here. You didn't even have that in your
0: conscience. In nothing. LA.
1: Nothing, right? Nothing. Isn't that interesting, right? Yeah.
0: But I found it all very compelling. And I, and I, and I, I was also happy his kids seemed pretty good. Yeah. Because yeah. there's that scene, that, that footage that you found of the car driving past those fans and that, oh, yeah. that three-year-old kid losing his mind. How terrifying would that be? So then all of a sudden I'm like, why haven't we seen the kids yet? It's not a good sign, right. but then when they finally right. do, it's like, oh right. my god, you got a bunch of good kids. Yeah, yeah.
1: and they uh, cruise the the one in the boat. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote me the sweetest. He watched the whole thing. And, yeah, mate, I can't believe I learned things about my dad I didn't even know, and I <laughs> loved it. You know, and he, yeah, he's great. And and the weirdest thing, I I went to a match in uh, England, yeah, in Manchester with with brooklyn and david brooklyn is massively famous in england oh yeah crazy for for what i i being david's kid oh yeah but he was like a rock star huh and and you know and uh he's a player too no no romeo is the player but brooklyn is uh i I think he's a youtuber or instagrammer but I mean, it was kind of crazy. I, much probably much.
0: He's more famous in England, but well, it just seems that, like you know, I think that y- you know the British. You know, if you can if you can suck it up, and and live through mm. what the British will put you through, or what the British press will put you through, that eventually you come out the other side, and there's a respect that will never go away. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, for that name, for that guy. Yeah, you know, because you know the entire country turned on him. And then they turn back. I know. Because of what he did. But, you know, it's a rare story that, you know, you get that kind of forgiveness. And then you're just sort of instilled as part of the national fabric. And I think that, you know, I think that name, whatever this kid is doing, Brooklyn, you know, it doesn't hurt to be Beckham. No, for sure. Yeah. But I think the
1: British press watching this
0: and watching the way
1: they treated Beckham was a good thing for them to see about
0: how difficult what they made that? What they put that kid through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just because they wanted that story, what they put all of them through the whole. Family. But it seemed like the original turn against him was was a consolidated effort yeah. to 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 uh, uh, to divert blame, you know, off of that coach mm. and off of you know what I mean. It, you know, your your entire uh, team and success shouldn't hinge on one player. I know many times it does. But you know, they but, also lost on penalties ultimately, yeah. They lost on
1: penal- a penalty kick, uh-huh. but no one talked about any of that, right? Um,
0: so who knows, right? Yeah, but, who knows? yeah, yeah. But I, I, I like that you think it was important for them to see that because, again, just like you saved the world, I'm sure that because of your doc, the British tabloid press is gonna <laughs> no. rethink their approach to things. No, actually, one, one of the London
1: Times journalist this woman I won't even say her name but she didn't even know I'd ever made a film before and she goes and they hired that slimy motherfucker oh. Hugo Baker to do the doc why I mean she literally called me that yeah. um so
0: obviously yeah it didn't have any yeah. effect on. yeah me. she's blaming your character from a tv <laughs> show <laughs> yeah
1: I, well, gotta, I gotta let that go you do I let that go Good talking to you, man. You too. I'm glad I finally made it. It was really, really nice. It was fun. It's yeah. It's nice to be here. There was
0: never any uh, apprehension. That's, it's just it's the so timing.
1: Fun. Yeah, I know. And uh, it's just it's just been a running joke that now we'll have to end.
0: Yeah, and, and Griffin can go fuck himself. Yeah. Hear that Griffin? <laughs> just kidding. Me too. There you go. Fisher Stevens. The docuseries. series Beckham now streaming on netflix hang out for a minute people hey folks this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex ultra soft tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know, all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing, but take my word for it. People definitely sneeze in here. And when they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Folks, we've got another Ask Mark Anything episode posted for full Marin listeners this week. I answered your questions about lots of stuff, including this one about other interview podcasts. How do you feel about guests who have been on your podcast and credit their experience on your show with inspiring them to start their own podcasts? Dak Shepard and Rob Lowe are two I've heard on several occasions credit you. Well, That's nice. It's nice to give credit to what inspired you or or what made you think it was possible. I do believe I was probably that person for a lot of people, for better or for worse. The medium has blown up. And I imagine the fact that I could do it made a lot of people feel that they could do it. But uh, look, I I always like getting um, credit for inspiration. And for helping out and for uh, good things in general. To sign up for the full Marin, go to the link in the episode description or head over to WTFPod.com and click WTF Plus. Next week, actor and director Tycho Waititi on Monday and for Thanksgiving on Thursday, a talk with Dr. Elliot Kane, my jazz optometrist. Yeah, he's the real deal, man. The real deal. And maybe Brendan and I will talk about the killer. Yeah. We had a lot to say about it off off the mics. Maybe we'll get on the mics. Here's some guitar. and the fond of cat angels everywhere.